0: She's back. Who is she? Oh my gosh, guys. It has been such a whirlwind experience over the last couple of years and I just realized that I am celebrating 10 years of being a nurse. <laughs> I know.
1: 27 years here. <laughs> yes. Who oh,
0: the, the the other voice that you're hearing is my really good friend. One of my best friends in the world, Carrie and, (laughs) and she is the nurse that actually hired me as a new grad in the med surge unit 10 years ago. Yeah.
2: Big mistake, big mistake.
0: (laughs) Just kidding. So we are going to talk a little bit about Jody, the new grad and where i've gone you know over these last 10 years because she's been by my side every step of the way her and i always travel we have been to multiple destinations and we are here in saint thomas right now i'm nice yes we just arrived and we're so excited and i wanted to come on this uh this nurse news analysis for this Thursday and, and just give you a little bit of, um, insight as to what the ER looks like, because that's where I'm at. Right. I say she's back. And what, by what I mean by that, sorry, I've had a couple of cocktails.
2: <laughs> she's back in the action, treating patients where she should be bedside people bedside. <laughs> yes, 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 I
0: am. I, I, So yes, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, my nursing experience now in the emergency room, and then we are going to uh, talk about a little bit about St. Thomas and what they experienced here through COVID. We met an amazing gentleman, and he was willing to give a little interview. So yes. All right. So let's go back. Let's go back. How did I become a nurse? And I am 49 years old. And I graduated at the age of thirty nine. Um, at the age of thirty five, I reunited with my grammar school boyfriend, and we had a son together. And he had told me, "Why aren't you a nurse?" And I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "Don't you remember? Like that's all you talked about. You you always wanted to be a nurse." And I said, "I did." and i remember like i always watched um you know trauma shows and i love the er the emergency medicine and so i decided because i had changed careers so many times i was an administrative assistant website designer um bartender server real estate agent that if I was going to completely change my career, then I was going to go at the bottom. Right. And that is be a CNA. So I obtained my CNA and I loved it. I loved everything about it. And I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I became a CNA. I got my foot in the door at the hospital by, um, running food trays because at this time in 2011 2010 it was it was really difficult to get into the hospital especially this hospital that I I um that was in my neighborhood because people had stayed there for decades Carrie is actually still there so yes. 27 years later still yeah. there. <laughs> and so I uh, you know, became a food runner and then a dietician. And then they opened up, uh, for PCT training where they would train me in phlebotomy and tele and, um, order entry just all around, um, and CNA. And so I did that for a few years while I was in nursing school and had developed quite a reputation for, um, patient advocacy. So when I graduated nursing school. I interviewed on the med surge unit where Carrie worked at the
2: time. And you want to tell a little bit about what that interview was like? It was like interviewing your best friend, but you had never met her. Oh, so you never said that before. Hey, you, <laughs> <laughs> you can't give her too many shout outs will go to her head. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. You know, you, we immediately, me and my, um, co-worker at the time immediately felt immediate bond and really empathetic to her plight, her whole life story and where she was going and where she was coming from. So we really appreciated her as a, an employee interviewing
0: and being and like right. probably upfront
2: because I'm super upfront. Very, very honest and upfront and you're gonna have to cut this. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> it's okay. You can cough. You can take a drink. Oh, son, I had a cough. I don't have COVID. <laughs> don't be afraid. Sorry, <laughs> take a sip.
0: Yeah. So I interviewed with you
2: and uh, what was it? Uh, three other people, right? Yes. Yeah. Anyways, complete comfort level, and you know we loved her immediately. We had already had another nurse on the unit that. We were writing down on in our interview sheets, like next to each other saying like, oh, doesn't she remind you of this person? Like, oh yes, total heart, total empathy, total compassion. We wanted on our team immediately. So of course we offered her the job as soon as the interview expired yeah. and we told her, Hey, Hold on. HR will reach out to you in like four weeks, but you know, please don't take another job in the interim because it takes forever to make an offer, but we absolutely want you on our team. And we were very happy that we did. Yeah. Unfortunately, like six months later, she moved on. No, to no, it was, like a year. It was, it was a year. yeah, yeah, it was a year. It felt like six months Aww. that she was there, but she moved on to the emergency room where her passion really lies. And that's currently what she's doing now, but she loves that fast paced emergent medicine. And we were a little sleepy for her, but she appreciated what she learned originally as a med search nurse because everybody gets their building blocks in med search. but she was really suited for the emergency room for sure.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because- you know, that there's a different um, mindset, right? There's a lot of nurses that say, if you know that it's emergency or OB or whatever um, specialty, just go for it. But I did develop a ton of skills, especially
2: time management skills in on the med surge floor, right? That's what it gives you organization and time management. Like if you can manage five patients in a fast paced world, like running your butt off then you can manage any other specialty, and that's why they want you to have one or two years of med surge experience first, and then go on to your specialties because it really does give you the building blocks, the foundation of nursing.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I went on to the emergency department, which was really cutthroat. Um, it it just was a, a really, really hard specialty to come in, especially as an older woman, right? Because I knew, I knew the flow of the hospital because I was already uh, a food runner, a dietician, a PCT. You know, I understood that if say a neuro patient came into the emergency room and they were admitted to the floor, that the only thing that was stopping them from getting discharged was that MRI, and to, you know, have the neurologist evaluate, say that and uh, the MRI, and then they could go home. So when I was in the emergency room, I was always about patients were number one. It wasn't about
2: anything else other than the patient. So truly, she got in arguments with her fellow co-workers about yeah. the patient being number one. You would have homeless patients or certain specific demographics that would come in, not having eaten for 12 hours and staying Mm -hmm. in the emergency room. And Jody's the one fighting for them to get a meal. Well, the rest of her co-workers were like, no, don't feed them. Like they're going to keep coming back. You can't do that. And Jody's there fighting to get them a dietary tray, like something so simple, but so humane. Like that's who she was. She was always on the side of the patient, like always fighting for the patient.
0: Yeah. And and say, you know, like taking that example of the MRI, it's like if I can get that MRI done overnight at 3 a.m. because they're slow. Well, when the neurologist came on staff in the morning, he could read it and, you know, develop their plan of care, which most of the time would be a discharge. Right. And so the patient wouldn't have to, you know, have a whole nother day stay because, you know, we would wait for the patient to get the MRI. Hopefully that was done during the day, but then the neurologist would not read it until the next day. So, you know, there, there there's certain protocols and stuff in place and policies But as a nurse, we have autonomy and our patients are number one. And so, yeah, like the emergency room was a really, really hard area to be in because they were very cliquish. They had been working together for years and they were like essentially a well-oiled machine. And they did not like I even they even told me, Carrie, and I don't know if I ever told you this, but they said to me that I smiled too much. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I do. And they're like, nobody can be that happy.
2: It must be fake. And I'm like, I didn't even know I had a smile on my face. And as silly as that sounds, it's so real and understandable. If you come from that background, if you come from. You know, the emergency room kind of atmosphere and those social norms with that staff. And not that they're doing a poor job or they're not taking care of the patients efficiently. They are, but a lot of them are sadly on burnout and they're on run through of thousands of patients and maybe the same rhetoric over and over. And they're trying to do the best they can, but they're a little burnt out. And Jody comes in there as this fresh face smiling happy jovial and doing her thing and it's a little intimidating right like you're trying now to compete with this new grad this new person who maybe doesn't know all the ins and outs of emergency medicine but she knows how to relate and treat the people and that's intimidating and that's that's hard where the other people maybe ran circles around her as far as their skill and their knowledge and how to run an er but there's Jody at the bedside relating to the patient, holding their hand, crying with them, praying with them and doing her thing. And that's intimidating. And that's hard in a clickish, hard core emergency room de- environment. And if you're a nurse, you really understand that. And if you're not, maybe yeah. you're just a consumer and you're in as a patient of medicine randomly, you might not pick up on that, but It's definitely intimidating. Yeah. And I understand. And I understood where they were coming from because
0: like I would spend time in the room and they're, they're like, Hey, do you know what's going on on the floor? We just got an, uh, a heart attack come in. We just got a stroke come in. We need your help. You can't be in the room holding their hand. So yeah, like that, that, that I would say tough love, but they weren't giving me any kind of love. (laughs) <laughs> right. It was just tough. <laughs> it was just tough. <laughs> Did teach me to be aware
2: and understand like we the are process. Yes. The flow of the ER, street them and treat them and treat them and street them. You know, it's the whole mentality of get them in, fix what's going on, get them out. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. and there's not a lot of hand holding, though, in the ideal nursing environment, you want there to be. Yeah. But in reality, there's not. And there's a lot of throughput and there's a process. And, you know, we're trying to get them up to the floors or we're getting them out back to their homes. Right. And whatever modality is, you know, the best for them. But in the meantime, we have to keep heart and we have to keep empathy and compassion. And sometimes that's what's lacking because you do get burnout. And a lot of emergency room nurses not saying they don't have the love and the compassion, but it's it's the turnover and the constant, you know, thousands of patients that they're seeing over and over. So for some of the more hardened seasoned nurses, it was a little more harder to accept this bright shining face who's smiling at everybody who is like, I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to get you through this. You know, I mean, it, it's a lot. It, it was a lot.
0: It was a lot, but you know, like I said, it, it did teach me a lot of different, uh, a a lot of different things, and then, and, and I appreciate it because where I wound up, I mean, guys, like here's the thing: I, you know, when COVID struck, you know, um, the, I was a nurse for six, seven years at that point, going on my seventh year, and you know, when I decided that I needed to blow the whistle, I. I was like, oh my gosh, I still have a hundred grand in student debt. I just became a nurse. Like essentially I still love this. And I don't know if I'm ready for that to be taken away. Um, You know, I didn't, I didn't want to leave the bedside. I love the bedside. And I think a big reason why I love the bedside is because when my daughter was one month old, she was admitted into the hospital for pneumonia and, you know, probably a couple dozen times she was seen in the emergency room over the next couple of years. And so I, and admitted into the hospital under an oxygen tent several times. I I do look back at that time and knowing what I know now about COVID and big pharma, I really think that she suffered a vaccine injury, um, that, that really, you know, uh, targeted her respiratory and, um, but, but a positive story on, on that end is I, I took her to a church and I had them pray for her and they laid hands on her, anointed her with oil and, they, you know, after I left there, my mom was watching her and I went to drop her off at the house. And as I pulled up in front of the house, the Lord, and I went to grab her nebulizer because that was her lifeline. Anytime we saw that she was in distress, which the signs of distress, um, for, uh, an infant is nasal flaring. The, the nares will like, you know, um, will flare out. And because they're mouth breathers. And so um, that was her lifeline. And when I dropped her off at my mom's house, um, the Lord had said to me, you know, that still small voice, she doesn't need it anymore. And I went to leave it in the truck and he said, no, throw it away. And I was like, Oh, snap. OK, so I took that out of the trunk and I went to the alley and I tossed it in the garbage. And when my mom received her, she said, where's her nebulizer? And I said, um, she doesn't need it anymore. And she goes, what do you mean she doesn't need it anymore? And I said, listen, like I just got um, a, a voice. Tell me that she doesn't need it anymore. And she's like, Jody, I'm not taking care of her if she doesn't have that. And I said, Mom, you taught me to know who God is and to have faith. And I'm telling you that I think that that was God talking to me. So I'm going to go with it. And praise God, she's never needed it since. So um, so that was a big thing. But, you know, going through being a nurse, like, and blowing the whistle, like I said, I was not ready to leave the bedside. And so for the Lord to bring me back after two and a half years, um, back into a place that I could still honor my integrity. I could still honor my ethics and I still feel called to be there. Um, when I interviewed with them, so, so a doctor I used to work with called me up or texted me and he said, what are you doing now? And I told him I'm doing the radio show and I have the truth movement. And he said, you need to be back in the ER. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. Are are you willing to like interview? And I said, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm not one to throw down an opportunity because God might be in the midst of that. Right. That might be from God to do it. And when I interviewed with them, um, I had talked to them and I said at the end of the interview, Hey, listen, I'm a whistleblower. And I don't know if that makes a difference. If you Googled my name or whatever. And they said, did you blow the whistle for patient safety? And I said, yes. And they said, well, that's all we need to know. And they dropped it. And then I asked them like, Hey, can we keep this on the DL? Because I miss being Jody, the nurse. I don't want to be Jody, the whistleblower. Like I love what I did and I'm proud of what I did, but on the same token, I just wanted to go back to quote unquote normal. And then they told me that they do not um, need uh, uh, exemptions, that all I had to do is just say, I'm not taking it. Uh, I don't, don't have to wear a mask and I only need to do two shifts a month. And I was like, well, <laughs> I guess I'm where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, so I want to talk briefly a little bit about that because Carrie, you want to tell them you, like your background, what you do and. We well,
2: have- um, I've been a nurse for 27 years. Um, I started as actually in a skilled care facility and then went to med surge nursing in a hospital to supervisor to administrative representative. So I'm a house supervisor now at a level one trauma center. Um, I actually love my job. I really do. Um, I wish that there was more Jody's in the profession, Aww. like more people with the acts, the absolute compassion and drive that she has. And it's about being the patient advocate and doing what's absolutely right for the patient because we all get bogged down. I mean, nursing is crazy and it's very busy and it's very sometimes cutthroat and it's high, strong, high anxiety and high stress. And Jody never lost the bottom line. She was always the nurse that had her eye on the prize, the patient. It was always about the patient. And If we had more nurses like that, how refreshing that would be. When I was in nursing school, my nursing instructor would say, don't be an appliance nurse. And we were like, what are you talking about? She was like, there's so many appliance nurses out there who are just working towards the next refrigerator, the next stove, the next dishwasher they have to buy. She said, don't be one of those, you know, be there because your heart is in it and it's what you do to the core and no matter who stands against you you're there for the patient and you're the advocate and you're trying to speak your truth whether it's even right or not like if you really believe it and you're passionate about it and you're speaking your truth and you're trying to do what's best for the patient Mm -hmm. how can you be wrong when you're just trying to do what's right so we could have used a lot more Jodis, and the profession still can And it's, it's sad that we lost her at our organization, but I'm glad she's back in the emergency room and working towards her own goals and passions and her own empathy with her own patients in the emergency room environment. And it's exactly where she should be. And I'm glad she's back in the hospital environment to see what's happening firsthand, to speak to what's happening firsthand and current
0: Yeah. You know what? I'm happy. I'm happy that we are back on vacation. (laughs) Amen to that. I am happy that we are traveling again and that we are without a mask
2: in the airplane. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Without a mask. We, we both, we both know like Carrie is uh, a nurse of uh, extremely high integrity and, and I'm just so honored to, to be friends with her and to have her support because let me tell you something, guys, I have a lot of people that still follow me. Right. And, um, when I say follow me, I mean, silently
2: follow you. Yeah.
0: Like in the back, watch what you're doing, but right, don't support, don't connect. Right. Yeah. And don't ask me how I'm doing. Right. Um, I But I just recently received a private message from somebody that I really respected when I worked in the um, ICU years ago, back in 20, back when I was a tech, actually. So, you know, 2012, 2014. And um, he reached out to me and he said, hey, I think I want to do what you did and blow the whistle on blank, blank, blank army um, medical center or army or wherever the army base was and the VA. And so I said, absolutely, you know, just reach out to me and and I'll help you through it. And anybody that's listening here now, I'll give you a little bit of advice on the whistleblowing aspect of it. And that is to gather your story right? Um, When I found, when I had to do a formal ethics evaluation, the ethics evaluator said that a nurse does not need a preponderance of evidence to blow the whistle. They merely need to see that there is a safety issue. And, um, and I was like, wow, if that was the case, I, I would have done it much sooner because I knew that removing the advocate from the bedside, that, you know, was going to create, um, you know, just a standard of care that was subpar. And, you know, people that are in the emergency room, if they don't have their family or friends there, you know, their will to live is, is diminished greatly. And not to mention the whole mental aspect of mask and using an experimental test um, to, you know, say that you have this deadly disease. But on the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little little bit more about that. Um, I am going to share an interview that I had with this gentleman. We we just showed up. I mean, it, for those of you that see this video, uh, you'll see that we're not staying in um, in a four star resort or anything. Right. Um, but you know what? We don't need to. We love connecting with people, and we understand that a bed is a place to sleep. And, um, and quite frankly, you get a lot of like being on St. Thomas is it's very expensive to be here. And we just had a wonderful meal at this hotel hostel, um, uh, at,
2: for like $19.
0: Yeah. For, for 19, an amazing meal. Right. Yeah. And if we were to go out, it, it would be two to three times that much, like easily, but guys like book the trip, just book the trip. Because we booked this using our miles back in August and we paid $14 to come here. Go out, live your life, do your thing. Yeah, do it. Do it because that trip always comes up. Like if you're still breathing- you know, and I encourage you to listen to my show um, that's, that's going to be airing on Monday with a master breath worker, but if you're still breathing, you're still living. And so with that, um, we are going to go to break, but first I want to talk to you about reaching out to nurses out loud. You can reach out to us nurses at americaoutloud.com. If you have any questions for us, we answer your questions every Tuesday And then we are also doing the nurse news analysis on Thursday. This one just so happens to be a little bit about me celebrating 10 years and coming back to where my heart truly is. And I think that is just a huge testimony as to the love that God has for us. You know, he searches our heart. He knows our heart. And for those that are faithful and submit to him, like, you know, he will guide our path. But check out AmericaOutloud.shop. We have a SEA, which is an amazing redox signaling molecule that helps at the cellular level, at the powerhouse mitochondria level of the cell. I have been taking this, um, you know, doing a couple shots in the morning, couple shots in the evening. I also love their redox, um, gel and their face of liquid to drink, by the (laughs) way, not injections. (laughs) Hey, I'm also nebulizing it too. So, um, yeah, check out ASEA for um, your exclusive discount for America Out Loud talk radio listeners. And we will be right back after the break.
1: It's time and this is
3: Nurses Out Loud talk radio want to introduce you to ASEA redox cell signaling molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out Out AmericaOutloud.shop. Look for ASEA. Was the rallying call that started it all? America Out loud News was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
0: Welcome back. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud, and I am your host, Nurse Jodi O'Malley. I am joined today by one of my best friends, Carrie, who was also the supervisor who hired me as a med surge nurse. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. And we are here in St. Thomas. We are here celebrating 10 years of friendship and 10 years of me being a nurse. And so I want to play like where f- she should be in life. Where I sure. should be. It's yes. her calling for sure. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm actually going to do a little uh a show here uh very soon telling you about what I'm seeing in the emergency room and some tips and tricks. If you guys want to um follow me, go to Instagram, nurse for natives. And Jody O'Malley RN. You can also find me at Jody O'Malley RN on YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter, where I will be posting um, more content. I'm very excited. I just hired a virtual assistant to help me with this, and and I'm excited about getting my message um, to the world. Actually, let me give you a little bit of an update since we are talking about nurse news analysis. Many of you know that I am a whistleblower with HHS and I have blown the whistle on many things, one of them being the admittance of COVID patients, the the inflated numbers, um, also to remdesivir and um, the government getting a bonus incentive payout for that. For that to be the only approved hospital drug to treat COVID-19 and the silencing of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And I just yesterday um, sent in my discovery. HHS did provide documentation and guys, that case is moving forward. So make sure that you are following and you are staying up to date because this is a, a God's hand moving. Justice will be served. The truth will be told. Um, you know, and I just want to really encourage others to have the courage to speak out.
2: And for as many naysayers as there may be out there for as many people that are watching this, just to dispute this, you know, Jody has been proven right so many times. She had 16 charges filed against her with the Arizona State Board of Nursing and beat every one of the charges. Um she has been she has been in the fight <laughs> cheers. cheers. <laughs> she has been in the fight so many times like you don't even know. This has been a long hard road. This has not been easy for her. It's been a hard spiritual journey. It's been a hard personal road for her with her profession, her job, her income, her children, uh, her weight, everything. And, you know, she's overcome it and she's still coming through for the general public and for you guys out there and still fighting the cause, like whatever detriment personally it has caused her. Like if you think she's living the easy life and, oh, she wasn't working, but This was so much more work than just her three shifts a week would have been. I mean, this has been a journey and a struggle and she's really had to take this on. And God has really led her down the path to where she's supposed to be and where she's at currently. And we just have to applaud that. She's doing what she was meant to do. She's back in the emergency room and taking care of patients bedside, but also still coming to us and the general public and doing this part and fighting the good fight. And, you know, I'm just here to support that. I'm not all in the fight sometimes, and I'm not as vocal as she is. And I'm more of a sidestepper and a watcher from the sidelines, but we need people like her who are out there publicly, visibly fighting the fight and doing what the rest of us are a little timid or afraid to say or do. We, we need those people. So I support her either way as a friend, as a whistleblower, as an advocate, as a compassionate nurse within the Society of Nursing. And we need more of them.
0: Oh, I appreciate that, Carrie. For those of you that can't see us, like we are like Betty and Veronica. (laughs) We are. We are so opposite, but we just vibe. Like we travel so well together. We we I mean, Carrie has been supporting me for this entire time. And, you know, with my crazy schedule, like, you know, I'll get messages. Are you in town? And, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm in town. Like I'm not always traveling, but you know, for her to know that I have to do a show for nurses out loud, while we're on vacation and to join me it's is a bit
2: a, much, it's a big it's a deal. Much. I'm very much an introvert and I'm very much kind of like a hermit. So to be involved in this whole thing is a lot. And, you know, she just called upon me and laid it upon my heart to help her with this, Yeah, which, okay, but I mean, it's do a lot. Love it? Do you love it? Negative. <laughs> but It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. And yeah. she, she struggled with it more to begin with. And she's more used to it now. And she's yeah. adapted and she knows she's doing it for a greater good. And I am still struggling with that. Like that, it, it's 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 hard for me. But bless her for doing her thing and speaking her piece and saying what she needs to say. And I'm just trying to support her in that. But it's a lot. Yeah,
0: it's a lot. It's and a lot. and and that's the thing, guys. Like anybody that um wants to talk or you know to. You know, I don't I don't condemn people for not speaking out because like, you know, we're we're all called for different reasons. We're all in this for a different reason and a different season. And to have Carrie, who is an administrator at the hospital, like I said, people still follow me and they know that she still loves me and I'm still her best friend. And, you know, and that we're super tight, like you know, that that's a big deal. And I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And I know pining with me,
2: I might not see eye to eye with her on everything, but I support her because yeah. I support her heart and her passion. And I know she's doing what she absolutely believes is the best for the patient and for the general welfare of human beings, like and mankind. So, Sometimes we conflict on different things and we can still come together in the end on a mutual purpose and respect and bond and mutual respect. And love. Yeah. For yeah. sure. But it is a lot. And it, you know, I mean, for those of you who may not realize, this consumes her life. This is what she does. This is her every waking hour. And for me who doesn't involve myself with anything like this. It's a lot to constantly feel like I'm involved in another podcast or another video or whatever, but this is her life. She is consumed with the passion of getting the word and the truth to all of you that I admire her for that. And I'm inspired by her for that. It's not my thing necessarily. <laughs> you're going to be, you're, you're gonna get- and I'm not <laughs> saying I'm not giving a sermon, but you know, I appreciate her passion mm. and her heart. And you know, I'm just going to support her as my best friend and colleague in a very difficult field of nursing. And she's just doing her thing, and I can appreciate that, right? Like, I've never had a bigger passion than what she has and what she's doing and I've never fought that hard for anything in my life. Yeah. And so I can appreciate that and it doesn't come easy for her. And no. It's extremely time consuming. And I realized <laughs> that I'm more introverted in. than I ever thought I was. Yeah, yeah it's hard to believe that because <laughs> as a true hermit and introvert, like this one's out there putting herself out there, but It doesn't come easy and it is a struggle. So living in the limelight isn't what she's seeking. She just wants you to all understand and get the word out and know what's going on in society. So whether she says is true, false, absolute glory, God, she's going to preach it. She's going to say her own beliefs and her own truth and the truth of the world. And she's going to put it out there. And it's for you to absorb and take in and believe, or Or not, not. or not. That's completely up to you, right? And I just admire her for having the passion to pursue it and tackle it and go through it because it's not something I could do at all. This, me going on this particular podcast and video (laughs) was many conversations Mm -hmm. and And a couple of drinks (laughs) and lengthy requests, because this is not my thing. Mm -hmm. And I apologize to all of you Mm are watching for my unpolished. Demeanor, but well, here's the this thing. Her.
0: I I respect where she's coming from, and I told her. I said, "Hey," it, it, she even said to me, "She's like, man, I hope that you're not like consumed with all of this when we're on vacation." And I said, "No, oh, I'm not. God. I actually let I, it go for ten minutes." Yeah, I said, "I have everything set up, like you know, it, all the, I'm doing pre-recordings and and all of that, and and we're gonna we're gonna have our time, but then." the filing for my HHS w- lawsuit and that took over 10, 12 hours and I was like, shoot girl, I have to record why we're here, you know and mm-hmm. and she was understanding she didn't come down on me and and I hope you guys like take that to your family and take that to your friend group and stuff and know that we're, we're not always going to agree with everything and that's okay, we're not supposed to but we are to love and respect one another and You know, granted, I some of her choices I was like, girl, you could do so much more. And she's like, you know, I'm good. I'm doing what I can. Right. And I'm like, and that, and that was it. Right. There was no more of me saying anything. There was no more of you saying anything to me.
2: It's easier for her and it's a lot for me. Her passion is deep and it lies so deep within her heart and it's so easy for her. And it just doesn't come easy for me. And we're sitting there talking today on this beautiful island and we're sitting there having lunch and a local Islander comes up yeah, and he starts expressing, you know, randomly as we're talking, he interjects into our conversation about his experience with COVID and his life and And, his family and his father. And And you know what Carrie said? She said,
0: you need to record this. And I said, you're a radio host. (laughs) you're a radio host Negative. So for, for the element of time. Let me play this because yes. we don't have much more time, but I would like, if you guys want to hear more for from Carrie, I am, I am hosting the nurse Q and a request more from Carrie. <laughs> I am hosting the Q and a next week. So comment, send me an email, share,
2: like, save all these posts. And, and there's me- a jet flying over above because yeah. we are on a lovely island and it's small and the planes make big noise. Um, <laughs> so if there me- is a large request for me to return for a Q&A, <laughs> great. But I doubt there will be. So I told her she's on her own for the next one. If there's a presence out there and you're like, yeah, come back. Great. Yes. If not, she's on her own. <laughs> All right, guys, let me play this. Oh, hold on. This is us talking to this random Islander native.
3: So what was it like
0: here in St. Thomas when COVID struck? What did they, what did the government did they impose any lockdowns? Like what happened?
1: Yes, they imposed a lockdown. Yes, it was on lockdown. We had to be in our house about like say about 637 o'clock. We had to gather up everything, your ice. All of that good stuff. And before night settled, everyone has to be inside. And it was really terrifying because sometimes you cannot get stuff. People is fighting. We had someone even die over ice, getting ice. Imagine to farm a line just to get ice. And my one friend, he oh, ended up God. catching the COVID right. and he ended up dying. He went to get a shot. So he's going to get a second shot, get a second shot, end up in a hospital and end up dying.
0: Wow. So so were people down to get the shot here? Did they want the shot? Were they excited for it?
1: Yes. Some was excited because they were saying that it's going to cure the COVID. And some realized that it wasn't curing anything. All it was doing was killing all the people. So if your immune system wasn't strong enough for that shot, it was hot. It was doomed. What do you do to boost your immune system? I get a lot of herbs. I get a lot of bush. There's a baranga tree. There's a neem tree. We have a thing named fever grass. It's lemongrass, bush tea. All of that was the cure for this COVID thing because you end know, up, you remember when they had chicken ganya? The chicken gunner was slowing you down. It was put in a lot of pain in your joint. You couldn't you put in a walk. The remedy for with the chicken gunya was the maranga tree. And how would you take it? You boil the bush. You pick the bush, you put it to dry, then you take about two to five teaspoons a day because it will thin out your blood. That's how strong the bush is. But it was pretty good and it helped me and it helped me to walk back again. But with COVID, I never take that shot. That shot is not for everyone.
0: Do you think that shot is for certain people? No. Oh. <laughs> At all. No. What made you decide that? Like, did you research or was it just something in your spirit?
1: Something in my spirit told me not to take that shot. And then when my friend was so excited but he going to take the shot because he's not going to get sick and still end up getting sick, and when I want him, then he take the second one. Now, rest his soul in peace. God forbid you see what power he is when I tell him to don't take it. It's not for everyone. Period. I thought.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think there's a lot of evidence that no one needed the shot. There were a lot of people. Um, Do you believe that the lockdowns caused any mental issues like mental health?
1: Yes, it caused a lot of mental breakdown because people couldn't come out and do what they want, how they wanted to. You know, that was the time. Well, to me, that was a test. All of this was a test to see how well can you hold up and be strong with yourself and with your family and friends. This was a test. They were testing the people to see how long they could have hold up. So with the shot, that was a more test because... It was killing people. So everything was a test.
0: Did you see a lot of people die from COVID?
1: Or, like, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I didn't see a lot of people physically. Well, I see my friend, because he was sitting in a dying bed. But then I heard a lot of people were dying from the shot. And it was sad to know that a lot of people was dying from the shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw it in the hospital. That's why I became a whistleblower. So I'm a whistleblower for the federal government. I'm suing our federal government right now um, because of what they did to the people, you know, and then when people went into the hospital, they couldn't have a patient advocate at the bedside. Was that true here? If somebody went to the hospital, could they bring somebody with them?
1: At all. It was sad. Imagine my dad was bed. better. He was, my father fell down and hit his head. All the time the COVID was going on. Me, myself, and my brother, we couldn't go to see my dad. All we could do was stay outside with a mask and then hear what the nurse had to tell us. Then when we finally get in, we had to go through so much to get in. When we finally went in, my father was bed sore all over.
0: That's what happened. I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, what happened when we put people in isolation, we lowered our standard of care. So nurses and doctors were not going in the room appropriately and people were just laying there to die. I'm very sorry that that happened to you.
1: Then they end up, and then they end up calling me and my brother for a meeting and tell us that they have to fly my father because they went to operate on him and did something with his spine. car. Like I told you, he had fell down. And hit his head, so he was on the bed rest. And then they end up sending him to hospice in the states. Same thing again happened when he went away in the states. They wasn't taking good care of him. Everything was as always oh, COVID. You cannot go in there. Too much people. Man, it was so crazy, man. Ah, um, when I think about it, it makes me sad. Yeah, yeah.
0: It makes me sad every day, and every day I. I think about why I do what I do, and that's to get the truth out and let people know that, you know, wh- how many billions of people do we have here on this earth, right? I think it's like four billion or something like that. I want to say maybe eight, but I'm not that's exactly right. sure. Right. I'm having a couple <laughs> of drinks with my yeah. new friend, so... <laughs> I'm not speaking completely clearly, but, um, but there's more the than that. <laughs> And we need to speak truth to power. Go with your first instinct. You
1: spoke, you spoke about your faith? Tell me a little bit about that. A little bit about my faith. Each and every day, I give thanks to God to wake up to see another beautiful day and to know that I have strength and to know that God is by my side two footsteps that I carry each and every day that I can't see, that is invisible. So I just move with the faith each and every day and that's God. If I don't move without him, nothing will ever happen. That's why you never leave God out of anything you're doing. You always put him first. He is the first and I will shall be the last. One hand created us, one hand equal. Yeah. I love that.
0: I love that. They, they, did they close down your churches here
1: too? Yes, the churches was closed down, yes. Everyone had to gather on the phone and do it on the phone. And, you know, the internet, like, you know, like how they set up the internet for you to look and see the church going on, like the service had was at home.
0: Right, yeah. right. Did, what, what, what was the vibe from the people here? You know, because you, the island life is a very free life. Were they receptive to locking down? Were they on board? Or were there a lot of underground like parties and meetups? And
1: it wasn't none of that. Everyone was actually on lockdown. It was sad, heartbreaking. People were so heartbreaking. Like Some people were losing their mind. Make it worse when the hurricane had come, it shook up a lot of people because the hurricane, Maria and Arma, right? kill a lot of people here yeah. a lot of people died here yeah. for so that hurricane and it terrified a lot of people too because a lot of people was trapped in the house no a lot of people never experienced a hurricane that we had I went through Hugo I went through Marilyn I never experienced nothing like Katrina and Maria never wow terrifying have you ever heard
0: of global um of cloud seeding, like climate change do what do, what are your thoughts on climate change?
1: well as far as the climate change the people used to warn us about the climate but never used to been up. like the last time they tell us a hurricane was coming the climate had changed then they say there's no hurricane we're going to be good. And then when you look at storm change, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There's the, there's a lot of people that are familiar with cloud seeding or geoengineering that the government does. They take airplanes and then they they spray the the skies to create. Um,
1: do you know anything about that? The skyscraper, but once in a blue moon, that passing in our sky. Not all the time. I always used to wonder why they losing old smoke. I used to always wonder why they losing old smoke in the air. <laughs> yeah. Until one day realized every time they lose out that smoke, everything changed in the air. Yeah,
0: yes, 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 yes. Everything changed. Yeah. A lot of people say, "Oh, I think I think it's the people." I think it's the people that don't want to suspect anything, but they say, oh, it's condensation. But the difference with condensation is that when you see a plane go up and then there's a trail behind them, it dissipates. This, it stays, and then the cloud gets bigger and bigger. Is that what you're seeing? Like,
1: when they do that, see that when the smoke will be in the air coming out like a line, and then it open up it's like a cloud. And then it disappeared. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's nuts. What did people what were people's thoughts on the mask? In the air? No, like wearing a mask on your face.
1: It was terrifying. It was terrifying because ain't everybody could have wear a mask. Some of the people have asthma. Wow. So ain't everyone could have you could have issue a mask. You could have given them a shield to put on the face, yes, but not to as far putting a mask over to cover the mouth and the nose. And everyone could sustain that. And everybody could breathe properly.
0: Right, right. May I ask what your education level is? A
1: plus. (laughs) Yeah, that's to that. Mm -hmm. I love it.
0: It was so nice to meet you.
1: (laughs) To you as well.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being so upfront and honest. And I love your spirit, brother.
1: Your spirit as well, man. Thank you very much for your time and for sharing everything with me and I'm sharing back my thoughts and shoot with you too.
0: Yeah, God bless you.
2: That's just this, guys. Absolute truth in the moment. No predisposed, no questions leading up to it literally he started talking on it and she started recording and that was it. Like nothing set up. Yeah. Nothing fake. Like that was his feelings within the Island of St. Thomas that we just happened to be visiting and thought we would talk to a local and he initiated it. And I told my girl, Hey, start recording and he's telling his truth. And it's in the line of what everybody else on our side of the spectrum was thinking. Yeah. Most people feel that
0: way. See, I mean, Carrie, Carrie is a natural radio host guys. I, you know, if, if you've never reached out before, I need you to reach out and to pump her up, to come on to nurse, uh, Q and a on Tuesday, but that is all the time that we have for today. Friends. Remember we are on air five days a week at 10 a.m. Eastern standard time with an encore at 11. P.m. You can download the America out loud talk radio app, or you can find us on iHeartRadio, radio stitcher Pandora. We, all of our shows also go to podcasts on all of them. Apple, Google, Spotify, And um, like, share, review our shows and and share it, guys. Like we have got to be speaking the truth. I say this to you every week, but um, build up that courage, build up that faith and um, and and get the truth out there and help us help us help you. And we love you. And until next time, friends, be safe, be well and God bless.
1: It's time